0: Do you know your rights? Where do rights come from? Does the government give you rights or do they come from something bigger than government? Without clarity on rights, it is impossible to have liberty and justice for all. Welcome to Church Public, let's get started. Welcome back to Church Public. My name is Matt Odegaard. Thank you for joining us today. If you have not already, you can check out all of the offerings we have at churchpublic.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Spotify, Google. I keep forgetting that apparently it's not iTunes anymore. Now it's Apple Music. I date myself. But regardless, you can find all of the podcasts and episodes there. You can also find, if you are watching, if you're listening, you can find the video of this at youtube search for church public as one word and our site will come up there thank you again for watching for supporting for listening and taking some time out of your day to participate in this i think this is a worthwhile effort hopefully you agree because we are trying to find where the culture is so that we can meet that with the faith that we have through god so as i mentioned today we're talking about rights because apparently rights are everything rights are everything that we have everything that we do and that's what we're hearing more and more and more before we get to that though i want to tell you a story i want to tell you a story about a man that lived a few years ago and it starts with this idea of eureka eureka i found it many years ago there was a pandemic not last year more years ago than that several hundred years ago before we knew about bacteria and many of the other things that we know now, there was a young man that was sent home from a college, Trinity College to be specific, to wait out the sickness which lasted more than a year. However, instead of sitting in front of the television streaming the latest series like many of us do, this particular man spent the year sitting under trees in his yard working on theories. One day, while he was sitting under a particular tree, which was an apple tree, he was surprised by a bonk on his head and the realization of this phenomena. That became suddenly clear. Eureka, which means I have found it. And of course, we're talking about gravity. This is the story of Newton and how he discovered gravity by being hit on the head with an apple. While the story is probably not exactly true, it is based on observations he had during a pandemic when he was confined at home. His assistant wrote, quote, Whilst, I love that word, whilst, he was musing in a garden. It came into his thought that the same power of gravity which made an apple fall from the tree to his ground because there was an apple tree outside of newton's window where he worked he says the same power of gravity that made an apple fall from a tree to the ground was not limited to a certain distance from the earth but must extend much farther than was usually thought he said question why not even as high as the moon Now that's really closer to probably the real story of what happened, but I like the story that I learned when I was a kid of him sitting on the ground and an apple bonking off his head. Either way, the point here is the same. Did Newton invent gravity? Of course he didn't. Newton didn't invent gravity. All he did was observe what probably countless people before and after him knew. That if something goes up, it must come down. And there is this natural law that causes all of this to occur. Again, we know this as gravity. We have a lot more science behind gravity now than even Newton had at the time. But Newton observed this natural law and gave words to what he observed that already occurred. Our rights as humans come from a similar law. We did not invent the rights of humanity. Many people would like to tell you that we did, but we did not. We simply observed them either in nature or through the revelation of God through his word. And then in certain places like America, we codified these rights into documents so we would not forget them. And we are in the age of rights, as I mentioned human rights, everything is a right. Not just that which was revealed in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution or codified in the Bill of Rights, but everything, everything is now a right. And you've heard this if you watched any news or listened to anybody talk anywhere lately. You need the right to health care. You need the right to school. You need the right to wages and a certain wage and a living wage. You need the right to play certain sports and for certain people to play certain sports and on and on and on. But is everything, can everything, really be a right? A natural human right? A civil right? Can all these really be true? Are some of them in conflict? Can they all come from nature? And nature's goddess Jefferson so clearly said in his opening paragraph of the Declaration. Oftentimes we skip through this opening paragraph, but the opening paragraph really is important because it sets the whole stage for the document in that It says, because we see these rights that humans have given by nature and the laws of nature and nature's God, this gives us the foundation for which then Jefferson and the other writers and signers of the Declaration said, gives us the freedom that we're supposed to have that at the time, under England's laws, we didn't have. This nature which Jefferson refers to that I don't think we fully understand anymore because we've been so... We've been so covered by all of this science that we think nature is only a scientific term. But in this day and age, which we have to understand the mindset of this day and age when he wrote it, the idea of nature is not nature just as itself. The idea of nature is nature revealing what God has done and brought about to be. In fact, this nature, the law of nature and nature's God, That Jefferson refers to is very clearly a equivalent of this idea of the laws of scripture revealed in nature. You may or may not have ever heard that before. And many people like to point to the founders as being deistic or not believing in the God of the Bible or things like that. And Jefferson was not a perfect person by any means. And he had many things that were interesting ideals. But in this particular instance, it is very clear that this phrase refers to specifically intentionally deliberately the bible and what the bible says about the laws revealed in nature the laws of scripture revealed in nature jefferson was a student for evidence of this just again don't take my word for it but for evidence of this jefferson was a student of lord bolingbroke who was greatly influenced by and he was greatly influenced by a letter bolingbroke wrote to another guy and in this letter Bolingbroke wrote, you will find that it is the modest, not the presumptuous inquirer who makes a real and safe progress in the discovery of divine truth. One follows nature and nature's God. That is, he follows God in his works and in his word. Did you hear some of what he said there? When you follow nature and nature's God, you equivocally, clearly, directly follow God in the work and in his word. In other words, God gives his word to reveal to us truths that we couldn't put words to. He gives us his creation, which reveals through the natural world what God tells us through his word. They are one and the same. They are revealed in different ways to show the same thing, to show the same God, to show the same truth. And this writer, which Jefferson copied very close to word for word in some of his declaration language, talks about the discovery of divine truth. He, this writer, Bolingbroke, talks specifically about finding the truth of God and finding that through both the word of God and the work or nature that is revealed. So this declaration of independence is a very good reference for us to look at in terms of rights. Again, the Declaration of Independence did not give us any of these rights. When the Declaration says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In his earlier manuscript, Jefferson actually wrote property, not happiness, which I like better and I think makes more sense because happiness can be an esoteric idea that people define in different ways, but property is a very real and tangible thing because the right to property was an ideology back then and a right given uh, by God, which, which we can go into at a later time, but that we are supposed to care for and take care of the land. This whole point, though, here that Jefferson points out to the king and other readers and even us today is that these rights were not invented by the Declaration of Independence. They were not granted by the government. They were given to us endowed by a creator, as he says. And this is the reference to God. These rights come from God. The reason I start with Newton, and the reason that he is important, is because he noticed a reality that already occurred and put a name on it. This reality in nature he called gravity. And then he worked out, I mean, he didn't even really name it, but, but he came up with some equations, some other things, of how it actually works. And he put words and concrete boundaries to what was already revealed through nature. And we move on to the Declaration of Independence, and Jefferson put a name to rights that already exist because they are part of the kingdom of God, revealed through nature and in nature. So this junction we're at now in the creation and the identification of rights is not about revealed truth coming forward through nature or understanding, but many of the quote rights that are demanded, demanded by the government and by other organizations. These quote rights are coming from feelings of injustice. They're not coming from truth. They're not coming from revealed nature. They're not coming from the Bible, of course, they're coming from these feelings of, da- of injustice. And this is a dangerous place from which to make rules. It's dangerous because feelings are not based on reality. They're just not. And, and everyone knows this, feelings are not based on reality, they're based on feelings. Because we know, everyone knows, you know that your feelings today may not be the same feelings as you have tomorrow. And the feelings you had yesterday are not the same feelings that you have today. We all know this. We all exist in this. And if we don't have an anchor outside of ourselves that is based on more of reality, then we literally are just blown by the wind all over the place and have no anchor, no mooring in actual reality. So then to on top of those feelings that change with the day and the hormones and whether you slept enough or ate bad pizza, who knows? If we make rules, laws, and quote, rights, based on feelings, people are going to get really, really, really confused. And that's where we're at. We're at this place where many people are really, really confused. So we come to the current state of events, and the current Secretary of State for the United States, Anthony Blinken, gives us a statement a week or so ago about human rights. This whole statement that I'm going to read part of talks about human rights, And the reason it talks about human rights is he is trying to accomplish a goal through the government. In essence, what I would say, it seems like the creation uh, of more human rights. But let's hear what he has to say. He says, quote, President Biden has committed to putting human rights back at the center of American foreign policy. And that is a commitment that I and the entire department of state take very seriously we will bring to bear all the tools of our diplomacy to defend human rights and to hold accountable perpetrators of abuse the reports we're releasing today are just one way to do that again he had uh, there was a human rights council there were some other things that he is addressing so specifically he is addressing foreign policy however of course these rights if they are in fact human rights are not just limited to one location because humans exist everywhere. And if a right is a human right, it must extend to all humans at all times. So he goes on to say, quote, one of the core principles of human rights is that they are universal. All people are entitled to these rights, no matter where they're born, what they believe, whom they love, or any other characteristic. Human Humans are co-equal. There is no hierarchy that makes some rights more important than other rights, end quote. Now, Whether or not you caught it in there, I think it is important to note that among some of the other things, in terms of freedom, of birth, of beliefs, he also threw in whom they love. It's a very sticky situation, and we're going to talk about that as a right in just a moment, but think about how do you make a right out of whom you love? As if there was some codification, like some quantification, some way to make into law whether you're able to love a person or whether you're able to love a different type of person or any other characteristic, which is a very vague set of language. And again, when we're talking about rights coming from the laws of nature and nature's God, which I believe is a great foundation to start from, it's hard to understand how the laws of nature point to a right that determines whom you love or that there is difference there we're going to get to that in just a second but I want to read one more quote from him before we get there he says quote past unbalanced statements that suggest a hierarchy and again this is I'm going to break out of the quote for a moment this is the hierarchy that makes he says some rights more important than other rights in other words if there is a right to one thing, but it contradicts a right to another thing, those are by nature not equal. And yet he's saying that all the rights have to be equal across the board. That's his assertion here. We're gonna read a little more of what he says. I'll read from here, quote, past unbalanced statements that suggest such a hierarchy, including those offered by a recently disbanded State Department Advisory Committee, do not represent a guiding document for this administration. At my confirmation hearing, I promised the Biden-Harris administration would repudiate those unbalanced views, We do, and we do so decisively today, end quote. He's referencing the previous Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who had put together another commission under the direction of the former president to see which rights were actually fundamental. This commission, um, which we'll talk about in a moment, did identify some rights as more founded than other rights. We're going to get to that in a second. Blinken, though, clearly states this previous commission was unbalanced and now must be balanced. He doesn't clearly state what unbalanced means or what unbalanced or what balanced means, but it seems to imply that The rights identified formerly were, at best, not the only rights, and at worst, not the most important rights. In other words, all rights have to be equal. As he mentioned, no right can be at hierarchy at higher level than another right. So this previous commission identified rights that may be familiar to you, rights like religious liberty, freedom of speech, right to property, uh, or as Thomas Jefferson has written, happiness. But again, originally, originally, if you didn't know this, in the declaration, in one of the first drafts, Thomas Jefferson wrote not happiness, but the right to property. And the point of property is very important. You are given by God the right to own and take care of property. There are many examples in scripture that talk about how property is an important thing and how you can have ownership of, Of certain property. But now, according to Secretary Blinken and the Biden administration, we now have new rights. Rights like those, quote, found in the Constitution in certain legislation, like, which really isn't legislation, but court orders, like Roe v. Wade, which ostensibly is found in the Constitution, the right to an abortion. Now, if you have read the Constitution, if you hadn't read the Constitution, please feel free to go and read the Constitution and check me on this. The word abortion is not in the Constitution. The right to an abortion is not in the Constitution. This right does not, it, it does not exist as a right. And now we talk about the right to health care and we have all these euphemisms for it, as I've talked about on other episodes. But even just in this one, the right to an abortion is by definition from the government, from the state a right to end a life, whereas the basic human right is to have life. Those rights clearly conflict. If there is no hierarchy of rights, as Blinken would suggest, it is unbelievable, it is is indistinguishable how these two can exist in the same universe. How can you have a right to life, literal just be alive, and yet you also have a right to kill any baby at any time when you don't feel like that baby is convenient. And I know that's oversimplifying, but at the same time, that is the core of the argument. And there are other new rights like same-sex marriage. There, this is why the laws of nature and nature's God matter. The right of same-sex marriage, whether you agree with it or not, it goes against the right of the free expression of worship, as was mentioned earlier. If, and especially if, as, as is all but outrightly stated in this new Equality Act, which is a proposal that is still in front of the government that looks like it could possibly go through. If this Equality Act goes through, the government can force religious organizations who do not believe in same-sex marriage to perform the services. So how does the right to free expression of worship, where you get to worship in the way that you'd like, mix with a right to allow same-sex marriages or to coerce this religious organization to perform the service whether or not you agree with the practice that's a side issue you can't say that both rights are equal and both rights exist at the same time that if one right crashes into another right they can't both be rights according to nature i mean Even take God out of it, going back to gravity. Gravity does not at the same time go up and go down because it is a law of nature. It is a law of nature. Gravity, whether or not Newton defined it, whether or not he invented it that day, which he did not, it existed. It has existed for all of humanity and all of time. So you can't say that gravity goes up and goes down. You can't say that a right is at the same time in one sense, and at the same time, contradictory to that same sense. If it is a human right, which even Blinken agrees is universal for all humans at all times, which I agree with, then it cannot contradict each other at certain times. That is, again, it's outside of the laws of nature and, and nature's God. Th- those things cannot exist at the same time. If something is an actual human right, it must be true for all humans at all times. If these rights are contradictory, then one of the, quote, rights is not actually a right, but, as I mentioned earlier, simply a desire or a feeling that certain people have for legitimacy. And that is a strong feeling. I do understand that. I am a human, and I do have a heart, and I do have compassion and empathy for people who are hurting. this life is very hard, and it's very hard for almost all people universally. We take that for granted right now, and we live in this weird hierarchy where certain people apparently don't hurt at all, and certain people hurt a lot more than other people. I, I can't say. All I can say is I believe, as R.E.M. has said many years ago, everybody hurts sometimes. I think this is true. I think everybody hurts sometimes. So to want that freedom, to want that legitimacy, to want that protection, I do actually understand that. However, to go against nature, to go against nature and nature's God and to invent rights to protect something just because it feels bad is not reality. We, we, We have to live in reality because once we begin to live outside of reality, we have invented our own world and then No one is real. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing things that are invented come into conflict with things that are real. This leads us to the transgender sports battle that is happening all across America right now. The new United States Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona, said last week that the Department of Education will now step in to protect transgender students' civil rights. Again, we're talking about Rights. Cordona goes on to clarify this is their right to compete. And he, in this case, he means to compete with girls that are biologically girls. So he wants transgender girls to compete with biologically girls. And this is their civil right, this is their human right. Again, we're talking about human rights, which as defined a human right by this administration. The administration defined this right. If a A right is a human right it must be universal for all humans at all times but how can this be true if a transgender girl which to be very clear means a biological male if they are allowed to compete with biological females which at the outset you shouldn't even need to say a female is a female but now we have to use these terms to make things clear If it is a civil right, a human right, for a biological male to compete with a biological female when they identify as a female, how can that possibly be a right? How can it be a right when is there any right for women to compete and have any chance of uh, of winning? If you know anything about biology, you know that just biologically, again, this is nature, men are generally taller faster stronger they have more bone density because of testosterone i'm not going to get into all the science you can look up all the science it's basic biology i I don't even know how this can be controversial men are bigger faster stronger than women it is biologically so is that true in 100 of the cases no is it true in most of the cases yes because it's true again Some people have six fingers, but we don't say humans have six fingers because most humans have five fingers. This is just a general truism about humanity, about men and about women, and there are differences. Because if you take away the difference, then what is the definition of women's sports? And if anyone can be a woman, then there will be no women's sports. Period. Full stop. Everyone knows this. It's obvious common sense because... The reason there are women's sports in the first place, the the actual reason there are women's sports is because women generally will not win when competing with men. It's just true. It's just clear. It's common sense. It's biology. Everybody used to know this until five seconds ago until we redefined things. And now we are defining rights outside of the law of nature and the law of nature's God. And this creates a lot of confusion. And it creates a lot of confusion then when the government steps in as they are currently doing and saying we are going to protect and give back and fight for the civil and human rights of certain people to identify how they want and to believe how they want that goes against actual nature. We do have rights given by God, revealed by nature, spelled out by scripture. But when we humans make up our own laws based on our feelings, we see the immediate effects on society and the results are not and cannot be justice for all. Thanks for choosing Church Public. See you next time.